Welcome to XNO Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Joined, as always, to take a look at the New York Jets film. This time, it was their loss to the Houston Texans by the final score of 29-22. With Joe Blewett, who is the co-host of TOJ Film Room over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. His co-host is Marcus Coleman, the 11-year NFL veteran and former hero of the Monday Night Miracle back in 2000 for the New York Jets. So, Joe, let's start where everybody wants us to start. Sam Darnold, what did you see? Um, what didn't I see? Um, it, this <laughs> game was it. It was incredible. Um, this, I, I, honestly, you know, going back and watching the tape and watching it live, I think this is the best game I've seen from a Jets quarterback in in quite some time. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, the he he was he was amazing. Um, it's I, I'm honestly really really excited to break down the film and. and you know, talk about it in actually a couple hours before my show, so I had to show the videos of it. But yeah, it was everything. It was the the pocket mobility. It was the poise. It was taking you know, delivering really accurate balls when he knows he's going to get hit. Um, the reading of defenses. He wasn't panicking. Uh, there's been multiple, you know, obviously multiple times he scrambled outside of the pocket. Uh, there was guys you know collapsing right to his face, and he would find an open receiver, whether it be Robbie Anderson on the sideline, um, between two zone coverage. I believe that was actually cover two. We threw it right in that. Uh, that honey hole, as they call it. Uh, there was a time where he was traveling out to the right on third and six, I believe it was, and found Chris Herndon, who um, squirted open for, you know, 10 yards, wherever it was. Uh, so he, obviously, the touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. Um, even later in the game, Robbie Anderson, when Robbie Anderson was running, I believe it was an out route or just a seam route, and Sam Mullins really feeling himself and scrambled out to the left and actually pointed for Robbie Anderson to, to break inward. And he almost got the ball, and it looked like it would have actually been a completion, but, but uh, McKinney actually tipped it. So um, it was it was fantastic, and especially with what he's working with. He doesn't have that DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't have the J.J. Watt on defense. And the Texans, you know, people forget about it because of how well he played, but they actually put the Jets in the worst position than they've been, and they were stuffing a ton of runs. The Jets were getting a ton of penalties, setting Sam Bone back, but it was like the first game in a really long time where it was like, First and fifteen, I was like, okay, Sam Bell's not yet. I'm like, no, no, no problems with this. Um, and it kept happening and happening and happening. Just making fantastic throws. Like I said, he was, he was, you know, um, on an offense that was having false starts, penalties, uh, big drop by McGuire, big drop by Robbie, Robbie Anderson later in the game, big drop by Trenton Cannon, which would have been, I think it was like third and three or third and four. Uh, he just broke out to the flat and dry, dropped it wide open. So Dahl was faced with his usual offense that wasn't really supporting him, um, you know, minus, you know, Robbie Anderson, who had a few uh, nice plays and, and nice catches and nice reps and things like that. Um, but overall, it was still the Jets' same offense. Sam Donald just really, really elevated it. Um, another really nice play, too, was that play. It was cover two, and it's actually a little bit different of a cover two look where the, the Texans rotated it. They're showing, like, a cover three, and they rotated the, uh, the deep one-third safety, the, the sideline one-third safety, um, down into uh, intermediate, I think it's hooked to curl, and Sam Donald picked that up, and he had somebody breaking out to the flat for exactly what receiver it was. Um, the safety who was in the uh, hooked to curl was staring at Donald. Donald recognized this, and he gives the, just a, the most like subtle little like shoulder shake to the flat, which makes the safety, which was actually Matthew, um, jump up to that flat, and then he hits Robbie Anderson on the stop out right behind him. And it, this all is happening within, you know, two, three seconds. And 
it, it, there was there was really nothing that he that he didn't show from like I said the the poise the pocket mobility to being able to take shots to scrambling to dead just deadly accurate uh, accuracy on the move and you know there's many times this game where he didn't have great mechanics to still deliver the best ball you possibly could um, smarts it was it was incredible it, it really was and you know the Jets it's it probably the best situation for a lot of fans. Uh, there's a lot of the fans who want that top draft pick, which I believe the Jets have number three right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so they still have the number three pick, and Sam Donald played better than you know I think probably and, and honestly any quarterback in the NFL this week. I'm not I'm not just saying that. So uh, to have the, the draft pick and Donald play fantastically, and even some defensive players play fantastically. I know the Jets lost because you know their defense kind of it's. It, the defense is good in situation or in tough situations, but in the really important times of the game, they choke. You know, just like uh, you think about this game with that fourth quarter drive, Elijah McGuire scores that touchdown, um, run up the middle, and the whole entire offensive line picks him up. The Jets or not picks him up, but pushes him in. You know, the Jets are up by three points with what about five minutes to go or something like that, um, and then the Texans drive right down uh, down the Jets' throat, and then they score a touchdown. So the defense is it's. It's like I said, they had some good individual pieces, but as a as a whole, they need to uh, kind of come together and learn how to make big stops because they'll play well in spurts. And then as soon as you know it's that two minute drive or that last drive in the the fourth quarter, they they really do choke um, for a couple of different reasons. But um, I guess we're not talking about the defense yet. But uh, yeah, Donald, it was it, it was one of those games. Like I watched the game, came home, cracked a couple beers. So I was so happy watching that guy play. I'm not even kidding. So it was <laughs> I, if you're if you're a Jets fan, that that game um, was the best game I've seen in uh, from a Jets quarterback in in a long time. Like I don't remember a Jets quarterback playing that well with, with just just in general that well. But then with the talent that he that he has around him, uh, I don't know if it was it maybe Chad Pennington, uh, Brett Favre in his in his first couple of games before he injured that shoulder. I don't know if you can answer that, Scott. But um, I, when's the last time you've seen a Jets quarterback you know play this well? Honestly, Joe, off the top of my head, I could dig through archives, but just what comes to mind immediately is the game in 2008 between the Jets and the Cardinals where Brett Favre threw for six touchdown passes. The irony of that, I guess, is that the Jets curb-stomped Arizona in that game, and Arizona ended up going to the Super Bowl and almost winning it that year, whereas the Jets actually lost this one with Darnold playing. But the other thing that stands out to you in that comparison, obviously, is that Favre was at the very end of his career, and when he came in, you knew he was a quick fix, whereas Darnold is 21 years old and gives Jets fans a ton of hope for the future. So I'm really excited. I'll tell you another player I'm excited about, and I wanted to know what you think. You and I have talked about Robbie Anderson a lot, and look, I'm under no delusions that the guy's a number one receiver. I think that a lot of Jets fans overrate him and got way out over their skis based on what he did last year. But we acknowledge that he's one of the better deep threats in the league, and he's starting to add little subtleties to his game here and there. I'm not saying he's going to be a number one receiver, maybe not even a number two on a really good team. But he could be a really useful weapon for Darnold, and it seems like Darnold is becoming very comfortable with him, or at least that has been the impression I've gotten the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, and just to, and I want to get to that, and just to touch on that, and that Brett Favre thing, and like you said, Favre was at the end of his career, and I think in 2008, the Jets had a, a, be- a much better team than they do right now. Um, and even if, that's, that's a 10-year span we haven't seen quarterback play this this good. And like I said, Donald being a rookie, 
um, and doing this with the talent around him, I, I thought it was amazing. And part of the um, reason it was it was amazing and why he played so well with the guy you just mentioned was Robbie Anderson. He didn't even have Quincy Jingwell this game. He has he has Robbie Anderson, uh, no Quincy Jingwell, Jermaine Curse, who's completely checked out, and a special teams you know ace. That's that's what he's working with on offense with with no running game. Um, and I, I guess you can say Cannon and McGuire are decent um, options out of the back out of the backfield, you know, as, as pass catchers. But they also had two massive drops. Elijah McGuire had a fumble. Um, even though I think overall they, they showed some things, but it's not like he has a ton of help around him. But uh, Rob, yeah, Robbie Anderson, who are definitely starting to develop that that connection that you see um, with last week's touchdown. That, that connection with, with Donald running around the, the backfield and finding Robbie Anderson, who who got free. Uh, same type of deal this week, where it's a little bit, a little bit different. We're drawing to scram around the, the whole entire entire field, be kind of more uh, penetrated through the offensive line, and then did that little jump pass to Robbie Anderson because they're on the same page. Uh, and Robbie Anderson knew where he wanted to throw the ball and knew where he wanted him to go. Uh, there's been many examples this this last two weeks of Robbie Anderson sitting in soft spots in the zone, Donald finding him. Uh, and in that pass I mentioned before, where Donald scrambles out to the left and Robbie Anderson's going down the left side of the field. Um, he sees that Donald's a little bit in a little bit of trouble, and Donald, while running from you know a couple of 250 to 300 pound men, you know points to Robbie Anderson to the middle of the field. Robbie Anderson cuts, and he's actually open a little bit. Now, would the pass have gotten there because Donald um, was kind of fading away, so it might have been a lob pass. But you really, honestly, it probably does get there with how accurate he was and how well he played this game. Um, but he got tipped by McKinney, like I said, so. Uh, they're definitely developing that connection, and that's that's why Robbie Anderson is getting targets. That's why um, Donald is starting to play a little bit better. Obviously, there's a lot of things with that, but uh, having a guy he could trust um, is is helping him, and it's helping Robbie Anderson. Now, there might be times this game where he trusts him a little bit too much. Uh, that that late post um, where he just tried to truck the ball to Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson basically played defensive back. I uh, didn't love that decision, and then in the you know, I think it's actually that Donald's like technically first or second throw of the game, uh, where Robbie Anderson is double teamed uh, on a on a skinny post or not or just a seam route, and Donald just trucks the ball off to him. Now it almost actually was a touchdown if if Robbie Anderson didn't trip over the trailing defender's foot and he, if he would have been jumped up and attacked the ball, it probably could have been a touchdown. Um, but I just don't want him to start just completely relying on Anderson. That's also why the Jets need more weapons, but. Yeah, Anderson's starting to uh, develop that connection. He's starting to he's, – he's a little bit better as a route runner uh, than he was. He's developing that aspect of his game. And then obviously, like we said before, he is – regardless of what you say, as a receiver, you know, whether it be a Z or, you know, an X or wherever you, you know, whatever you want to give this route running, digs and curls and comebacks and drags, whatever, uh, he still is one of the best deep threats in the entire NFL. And being able to have that option uh, for Donald is it's a great thing. A lot of people say, okay, well, you know, he's only, uh, he can only run nine routes, which it's, it's true. It's, it, it, to a, to a certain extent, it's true. Um, that, that the only, you kind of have to reword it though, because obviously he's an NFL receiver. He can run comebacks and stops and overs and shallow crossers. That's, that's obvious. He's an NFL receiver. He can do that. The only thing he does great is run nine routes. That's what people are referring to. Like, you know, I see him get a catch on a curl. They're like, oh my God. Like, he, so it's, see, he can only run a nine route. I think people are being a little bit like taking it like he literally his body only knows how to run straight. Yeah, he can cut back, but the thing that's helping him with those with those you know in cuts, uh, backward breaking cuts to the ball, you know curls, comebacks, whatever, um, is the fact uh, that his his 
deep speed has to be taken seriously in a lot of corners play off. So um, Donald having that guy in his offense, uh, I think you need to you definitely need to re-sign Rob Anderson long-term because they're, they're developing that connection that you can't really just teach and bring in from free agency. So uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely been nice to see over the last two weeks them, them developing that. Joe, before we move on to the defense, real quickly, let's talk about Christopher Herndon, the running game, the offensive line. What do you see from all of that? Yeah, so Herndon, I think he needs to be targeted more. He gets open. Uh, he knows how to sit in the soft spots and zones as well. He, he makes some really tough catches. Um, so Herndon's been a, a surprise for a guy drafted in, in the fourth round. The Jets haven't really had a tight end, and he's been, you know, the best tight end they've had in, in, in a little bit. Austin Severian Jenkins was, I, I think because of the Jets before Austin Severian Jenkins, they literally had absolutely nobody for such a long time. When a guy like, caught a few balls and he was tall, you know, six, 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 seven, whatever he was, that people really looked at him as like a you know, top flight tight end, which is kind of ridiculous because of how many touchdown drops the guy had. Um, like versus the Panthers, I believe he actually had two in the same game. Um, so Herndon, I think, is clearly not playing all since the Jenkins last year, and he's a rookie uh, from Miami who's drafted in the fourth round. Um, so he's another piece moving forward with that. I think that's really the only two like solid pieces that Donald has moving forward at this point are, uh, is, is Herndon and Rob Anderson. And sorry, there's a third in Quincy Nunois. Um, but the Jets do need to obviously surround him with more talent. Uh, Elijah McGuire and Cannon, listen, I, I like the way that they both, I like Cannon's burst. Obviously that's, that's intriguing and that's why the Jets, you know, draft him in the, in the later rounds of the draft because of that burst and that speed. Uh, he's still like wildly uncontrollable. Um, like pressing gaps and, and cutting back and finding holes. Um, that's still, he has to develop a really, you know, long way in that way, but I don't really see him or see the Jets ever using him as a, as an inside of tackles type runner, or even in an outside zone. I only see them using him that much in that way. He's a guy you're going to run on jet sweeps and end arounds and, you know, give him a swing route or a check down out of the backfield just in case the defense isn't honest and they don't cover him, then he can break it long because of his speed. Um, so you see that those aspects of his game, you saw some of it this week. He had a, he had a nice run or two. Uh, obviously the big drop really, really hurt his stock a little bit this week. And Elijah McGuire, um, he ran well. I, I think he actually ran pretty well, minus that one fall ball. He tried to like kind of jump cut, uh, JJ Watt, but JJ Watt, you know, uh, poked the ball free. Uh, but overall, I think, I think Elijah McGuire's been running pretty well. He's been showing some things and where people are saying, okay, well, can he be the number one running back? I, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, but as a number two, three guy, I think he's, I think he's a solid piece to have. And listen, he's only in his second year, so he's still developing. He's not a finished product at this point, but, uh, I would have to give him a thumbs up from this game. Like I said, minus that fumble and the one, uh, pretty bad drop. He, I think he just, I think he's running a, uh, just a, a stick route versus a, uh, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a linebacker or an outside linebacker, uh, on the far left side of the field and he, and he dropped it for a first down, but I'm overall I was impressed with him. And then the offensive line, it's the offensive line. Uh, we talked about it so many times <laughs> at this point. Um, it, it's the same stuff. The run blocking was putrid. Jets averaged like 2.9 yards per rush, and that's with me even saying that Elijah McGuire played pretty well. Um, so they created absolutely no, no, no holes from the only play I'm going to give them props for, uh, was the Elijah McGuire touchdown where the, you know, the whole offensive line came minus, I think Jonathan Harrison was the only one who didn't get it in that pile. Um, but I'll give him credit for that. But other than that, the run blocking was putrid. The pass blocking wasn't good either, uh, regardless of, uh, I honestly have no idea what the stats say because, you know, he's talked about this a lot, but, uh, Donald was running for his life a lot of that game. How many times was he moving out of the pocket, getting hit by Clowney, getting hit by 
squad getting hit by, like, he was getting blocked uh, a lot of that game, but still delivering just fantastic balls and with fantastic decisions, so it didn't really, even really matter. But when you watch the film, the guy was getting hit a lot. He was pressured a lot, uh, having to, you know, scramble outside of the tackles, you know, uh, you know, kind of press through the, the line of scrimmage. Um, but before, you know, the line of scrimmage, he actually would throw the ball like on that jump throw. Um, so he was, he was running all around the field, uh, because the offensive line couldn't really, uh, hold their blocks. And part of that was kind of a problem with the, with the coaching staff, um, where I didn't think they, they really paid enough attention to JJ Watt. And you see, you saw him wreck the game a little bit at certain points, um, because they were singling him up with guys like, you know, Brent Quale, which I think is never really a good idea, or even Brian Winters, which is, again, not really a good idea. Um, so overall from the offense, I, I guess that's kind of the, the wrap up of, of the rest of that team. But like I said, again, just, just smile because you have Donald, because that game, uh, watching it from, you know, 11 o'clock last night to about 5 a.m., just, I had a smile on my face the entire time. So, <laughs> And with good reason, for sure. But the question is, Joe, did you have that same smile on your face watching the defense? I will preface this by saying that they looked a lot better in the second half to me. It seemed as though Todd Bowles made some adjustments. So what did you see from the defense, and did you notice anything in particular that the Jets were doing differently in the second half that led to better results? Um, no. I, I, I The Jets blitzed the crap out of Watts in this game, uh, which to a it worked at certain points, but then there's times where I'm watching Jets blitz, and it, okay, like it's it's things that are really simple that I that I don't I I understand it, but me and Marcus both don't understand it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> um, it's third and five, third and seven, third and ten, whatever it is. The Jets will send a zero blitz, or, or they'll be playing cover one um, with no hole defender or wall defender, which is basically just another guy in coverage. Which we can get into that you know later in the show or whatever. Um, but they're saying they're setting cover one with no other zone coverages underneath. Um, so you're blitzing. So you're you're assuming you're going to get there fast. If, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, because that is the purpose of a blitz to get there fast. Why are the corners playing ten yards off and bailing as soon as the ball is snapped? If the ball is supposed to get out quickly of the quarterback's hands, that's the only way. That's the only thing you do versus a blitz. So you're playing ten yards off. It's third and five. You know most likely it's going to be a stick route or, you know, basically a stick route just a stop or a curl at the first down marker. Um, so you know that's most likely what they're going to do or they're going to break at that, whether it be a dig, comeback, curl, whatever. They're going to break right by that um, first down marker for the most part. That's where they're going to look first. And, you know, maybe they have a seam route or a nine route. That's not really where they're looking at first. They're, they're, they're looking to get that first down, um, obviously. And the Jets play 10 yards off and bail as the ball is snapped. So you're, you're just, you're just conceding that down. You're giving them that first down. So I don't, I don't like some of the technique. I don't know if that, and it's hard to judge. And I've talked to Marcus Brothers who did play in the NFL. It's hard to tell at this point. Is it, is the coaches in the film room? Is it the players not executing? Is it what the players are comfortable with? What is it? But, um, that's the secondary is, is brutal to watch it sometimes. And that gets me frustrated. But, um, other parts of the defense, I guess we can kind of work our way up from, uh, I guess from the defensive line up to the secondary. Um, Henry Anderson, he played he played well. Uh, the three sacks, two of, and I'm gonna be honest, uh, two of them were coverage sacks for the most part. Where Deshaun Watson was holding the ball for like four or five, six seconds, and he eventually just broke free, which is credit to Rob uh, to, to uh, Henry Anderson and his his motor and the fact that he keeps you know, he keeps playing hard, which I which I like. And the one sack in the, in the first drive of the game, let's be honest, that was not a sack. Uh, Deshaun Watson broke free, um, and the, the whistle was blown way too early. So 
he had like two sacks. I guess you can credit him for almost that, you know, for that one. And then the one that he almost had where, where Deshaun Watson again broke free. Um, but overall, you know, still give him credit. It's those three sacks regardless of how he, how he got them. So he also had a run stuffer too. So I thought Henry Anderson played pretty well. Um, Leo had a player too, but against this Texans offensive line, uh, I heard you say somewhere, Scott, I don't remember exactly where it was, but you, you're going to predict that he didn't have a big game this week, um, because of that Texans offensive line. And, you know, he had a, I think he had a tackle for a loss or, or two, but other than that, he really didn't show up as much as I would like to see him, um, show up. Other than that, outside linebackers, I, I think at this point, obviously you don't want Luvu and Copeland being your guys starting next year. But as rotational guys, I, I'm fine with them. Uh, I think Luvu's been playing relatively well, like we said last week, for a guy who's undrafted as young as he is. And then Copeland's been, been racking up some sacks and some pressure. So those guys look good again this game. It's been a couple games in a row, so it's not a fluke. Uh, I think these are good rotational pieces to have in, in Luvu and Copeland uh, going into next year. Jordan Jenkins got another sack. And I'm not sure if I said it here on my show, but I said uh, a couple weeks ago that Jordan Jenkins is having a year that's being a little bit overlooked. Um, is he is he D four and he's one of these guys? No, but he's he's actually the, his biggest problem last year was his ability to stack pass rush moves uh, where he kind of just go into a rip and he wouldn't be able to really counter if, if the offensive lineman was prepared for it. Um, but this year he's using power power to rips to to, to clubs to rips to spin moves or to rips to spin moves. He's 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 stacking moves this year and that was his biggest problem last year and why he wasn't getting sacks. And all, most of all of his sacks this year have been him actually beating somebody, not, not a coverage sack, and um, him stacking moves or even if not stacking moves, turning speed into power or power into speed. So um, he's definitely been better this year. And him getting another sack, I know it was versus a tight end, but it was still a, a nice mover. Um, he basically forklifted, uh, for people who do know, forklifted and then into a rip where he really be- he bent the edge nicely. So... Uh, that was, that was a good job by, by Jordan Jenkins. The, the, the linebackers, uh, were off the ball. Um, Avery Wilson was quiet. Uh, Neville Hewitt, I, he's, he's kind of, he's iffy in coverage, but I think overall for what he was expecting this year and the role he's filling with, with Lee, with Lee going out, I think if he gives him a thumbs up as well, he hasn't been lost out there and he's actually been making a couple plays. So I thought he played well. Uh, the, the secondary, Jamal Adams, he was more quiet this game, like, kind of like last game, but he still made a couple of those plays late in the game where they ran like a screen to Demarius Thomas twice. He blew it up both times. Uh, he, he still had a couple of good plays, and you know, congrats to him for going to the Pro Bowl, even though the Pro Bowl is a popularity vote for the most part, but he still deserves to be there for sure. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL, you know, only being, what, 23 years old in the second year, so that's that's good to see him and Derwin James, I think, are going to. Him, Derwin James, and Eddie Jackson are just going to be, you know, the best three safeties in the next, I think five to ten years, they're, they're all really amazing. Um, so it's good that we have that piece. Uh, Roberts should never, ever play safety again. I don't understand why the Jets have <laughs> backup safeties uh, in Terrence Brooks and all these guys, and then decide to trot out Roberts, who just looks completely lost, like on that touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins, which I'm going to break down, which is going to make him look pretty stupid. But um, I don't know why he's playing. He's almost like squeezing him. He's squeezing him like he was playing to the sideline. But he's in the middle of the field. And he's completely lost where he squeezes him, but doesn't have any hand contact with him. So he just outruns himself um, and just runs himself completely out of the play um, when he should be playing through the receiver, you know, have that backhand on, on the hip of Hopkins or on the, on the back of the jersey of Hopkins and then be playing with that upfield arm um, on the ball. But he, does, he did the, the, he does, 
he did the exact opposite of that. Literally the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. That's what Robert has been doing at safety. So he's been terrible at safety. I don't know why he's there. Um, you know, in terms of the corners, uh, plus the screen play all right. Uh, we haven't been mentioning his name, I feel like, as much this season. Where he's actually, he's actually had an all right season. Uh, he's, he's a, kind of like a, he's like, I think overall he's like that C student. He can kind of, he kind of passes the class, but he's not really that impressive. And he, sometimes he's really bad at the same time. <laughs> like, that's kind of what Buster's train is. Uh, I wish he did finish that one sack on, on Deshaun Watson, where Watson had fantastic awareness and just kind of, uh, like, like, uh, almost like jump cut, uh, to get away from, from screen. But I think overall he was okay. Uh, true main Johnson was, he was, this is, this is another game where he's kind of just okay. Uh, the last three games, um, Patriots, Bills, Titans, he played pretty well. This game, he got beat a little bit, but honestly, uh, a lot of those coverages were, it was zone coverage. He wasn't the primary, you know, responsibility for Hopkins. So he got beat a couple times by Hopkins, but it wasn't really, um, too egregious. Uh, there was the one play where he, like I said about playing, you know, too far off in third and long where he did give up a first down, but, uh, overall, I think he, he was okay. Uh, Morris Claiborne, um, it, he'll make a play or two where it looks nice on, on, on the broadcast angle when you watch the film. Uh, the guy got beat up again this game. Got beat by Demarius Thomas. He got beat by, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, a couple times. That holding call at the end of the game was holding, uh, an armbar. Uh, so regardless of people think on, you know, I guess, I get, I get it. Your, your drone's up. Um, so Claiborne, he's been, he's been bad. Uh, I think this is the last year as a Jet. One one year, $7 million is his last deal with, with us because if they're watching the film, which I'm, I hope they are, and I'm pretty sure they are, obviously, it's an NFL uh, organization, um, they're going to realize how bad he's actually been playing. And I think, I think this is his last year here. So uh, that was a very long-winded answer, but you asked about the whole defense. That's kind of what I had to give you. So, <laughs> For young pass rushers out there, by the way, worth noting, that Jordan Jenkins, as you said, Joe, has made major strides with his pass rushing this season. And I think that he would agree that a big part of the reason for that is that he worked extensively in the offseason with Chuck Smith. And I know Chuck Smith is a little bit before your time, Joe, but he was one of the better pass rushers in the 1990s, particularly in his days with the Atlanta Falcons. So that's a guy that a lot of these young pass rushers may want to look at working with in the future because he's had some success with a lot of guys, including Jordan Jenkins. So maybe the Jets should send guys like Luvu and Copeland over to Smith in the offseason as well. Probably couldn't hurt. But, Joe, real quick before we go, any other observations on either side of the ball that we may have missed? Oh, geez. Um, let me think. So, well, one, I'm, I'm shocked that the Hall of Fame coach, Kevin Green, that everybody talks about like he's, like he's the next John Harbaugh or something like that. Um, couldn't fix Jordan Jenkins, which I'm obviously joking a little bit, but people who really talk about him like he's the best coach in the NFL. Um, I'm trying to think. For, we covered the entire defense. I'll again shout out to Sam Donald because that was, <laughs> man, uh, that was just fun to watch. It, it really was. And let's hope he stacks another game like this against the, the Packers, who uh, don't have a great defense and haven't forced a turnover um, in the secondary in quite a while. And I believe are also 0 and 7 on the road. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully we see Rodgers play. Um, but I know this is in a show about the Packers. Uh, other than that, from the offense, they need, they need to cut down on the penalties. The penalties are killing them, whether it be the Jets picking up the first down, there's a holding or an illegal block above the waist or a du- illegal double-team block or a false start that set the Jets up in, in first and 15. Um, they need to cut out the penalties, uh, you know, for sure. Um, but other than that, I don't really think there's really um, much from the actual game um, that I need to, to talk about. 
Joe, you are correct. This is not a podcast about the Packers. If you want to hear about the Packers, go listen to Know Your Phone with Michael Nania, and you'll hear all about the Packers. But if you want to hear about Jets film and you want to see the film broken down by Joe Blewett and Marcus Coleman, head over to Turn on the Jets TV right now over on YouTube. You're going to see all of the episodes, and you will get a brand new one coming up not long after this podcast drops. So, Joe, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you and tell them what they can expect to see on Film Room with you and Marcus this week. <laughs> um, they know what they're seeing on Film Room with me and Marcus this week. Let's, let's be honest. It's going to be like an hour and 45 minutes of Sam Donald and me <laughs> discussing over him. Um but what I'm going to do too is I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to attempt to do it this week for the first time. Uh, and there's been people who say they're really big fans of the show, but they're not able to listen to the full, you know, it's, it's usually been two hours, but I think this week it's going to be closer to three hours. So I'm excited to talk about Donald. Um, they say, they say I can't listen to the whole thing. So what I'm going to start doing is start putting like timestamps in uh, of players I want to talk about. So, okay, you want to watch Donald? Okay. Well, he's minutes, you know, 10 through 40 and you only want to hear about Donald and maybe, okay, well, did, Dude, Claiborne really had that bad of a game. I just want to hear a 10-minute thing about Claiborne, so that's going to be at you know an hour and 25 minutes to an hour and, and 35 minutes. So I'm going, to, I'm going to try to do that for people who want to hear about specific players um, instead of watching the entire show, which I hope you do, but I understand it is it is two, three hours, and people are really, really busy at times. Um, but it should be dropping within the next, you know, from the time people listen to this, if they do listen to it. Um, immediately after it's out, it'll be, the film will be out in a couple hours, and for most people who do listen to this, uh, film room is already out. So just go to TOJ space film space room um, on iTunes. And like I said, if, if there's one week you want to watch a Jets film, it's, it's this week. Obviously, there are some there's some bad. Um, I think I crap on Playboy every single week. I'm going to continue to do that this week. Uh, but Darnold is going to get broken down extensively uh, this week. And then for the people, I guess the last thing, Scott, is uh, for the people who haven't been that interested, you know, in the Jets this season. I just want the season to kind of end and you want to look at free agency and stuff like that. I've been having like votes on Twitter where I'm going to just start breaking down off season targets, whether it be like D Ford or Clowney or Le'Veon Bell or Tyrell Williams or, you know, Matt Paradis, any one of the, or any, you know, one of these guys, I'm going to be breaking them down, uh, based on votes. So I already started Le'Veon Bell, um, which just sneak peek, the guy's freaking good. Um, so you can check that out there in the off season. I'll be breaking down those guys. I'll be breaking down. Um, draft picks. I'll be bringing out like a top ten guys or something like that. Uh, also, be looking at some of the Jets' 2007 or 2018 seasons as well. So there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up. I know the season for the most part has sucked a lot, but with the young pieces that you have, to have with hopefully a new co- or definitely a new coach coming in, hopefully a new GM, um, the future is a little bit brighter than people think it is because I I really do feel the Jets have their quarterback and hopefully you know I, I think that they do. I definitely think they do and. That makes us look smart, Scott, because we were guys who were <laughs> the big Sam Donald fans. We both have a number one quarterback um, coming into in, into the draft, and I, I still think he is that. I think he's going to be the best quarterback of this class. Um, I haven't seen any other rookie quarterback did what he did or what, what he did last game at the Texans um, so far throughout their careers. So whether it be Mayfield or Jackson or anything like that, I haven't seen a game like that, you know, um, from them this season. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up with, with Film Room for sure. 
That's true, but Josh Allen has been one hell of a running back for Buffalo. By the way, i got to throw this in there, Joe. Regardless of Sam Darnold, and he's played well, that's all good. I'll be looking forward to the timestamps for Buster Screen, so that's what I'm going to be looking for when I search through your timestamps. Joe, thanks so much again for coming on. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, make sure that you check out Joe and Marcus at Turn on the Jets TV. Brand new episode should drop not long after this podcast drops, so make sure you go ahead and watch all the video. And for all the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.